Hi there. This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's word and the ministry of the Spirit. And uh, here in PowerPoint this morning, I started uh, this satanization policy. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to go over that again because that's become our policy of faith now to desatanize. There's too much emphasis on Satan in the body of Christ, and it's, it's not good. On the strength and on the balance of what Christ accomplished for us. Nobody is saying Satan is not there. I mean, there's no uh, theological construct that is accurate that will say that. But at the same time, this undue emphasis on Satan embarrassing as far as God is concerned. But the volume of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, especially at the level of praying, when you see believers praying, and you begin to hear the prayer points, you begin to wonder, did, did Christ accomplish anything for us 2,000 years ago? Or the whole essence of Christianity is another battle entirely that even the enemy himself is trying to understand. What to them? Because defeat him. He knows already that you are ignorant. The moment you come to Satan and you want to try to conquer him, he knows already that you are ignorant. Because by default, that means he has conquered you already. Because the believer is not supposed to engage Satan with an attempt to conquer him. The believer is already more than a conqueror. He's more. So that means we engage the enemy with a mindset of trying to conquer. He knows that there is already a hole in your hammer. He knows you are trying to start another battle, and that battle is not connected to the victory of Calvary. And because this is a strange battle, he himself is trying to understand on what basis are you coming? Are you coming on the basis of the fact that you are now a new saint in Lagos that is disconnected from the victory of Jesus? So he wants to understand where are you drawing your victory from? And the moment he sees that that victory is not connected to the blood, to the cross, to the faith, grace, glory pathway, he knows already that you are trying to do something new. And, and he knows that you are trying to preach another gospel. He knows you are trying to crucify the Son of God again. So he knows you are already disconnected from grace. And, and unfortunately, if you see how believers pray today, it doesn't appear as if Christ accomplished anything for us. So it does appear that Christianity has been reduced to God. Come and help us to fight Satan. And like I said in the two centers, God doesn't fight Satan. He has never done that and he will never do it. Because of time, I don't want to start getting into that because I have something serious to deal with here. For God to fight Satan... It's an acknowledgement of the fact that he's not yet defeated. How do you fight the one you defeated? 1 John 3 8. You don't need to open there, but you can just read on the screen for emphasis. Bible says, for this purpose. Because at times people don't know why Christ came. Yeah, Christ came for many reasons. There are reasons, there are covenants, there are dimensions. But there are also purposes. 
So, so there is what is now called this purpose. For this purpose, the Son of God was what? Was manifested. Why? Because Satan sinned from the beginning. So in the beginning, it was not just God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, it was not just that there was word and the word was with God. See, a lot of things happen in the beginning. It would take arranging scripture that talks about the beginning together to have a full picture of what happened in the beginning. So one of the things that happened in the beginning is that Satan also sinned in the beginning. And the Bible now says it was for that purpose the Son of God manifested. For one purpose. What is that purpose? That he might destroy. So the way we pray today, it doesn't appear as if the works are not destroyed. Because all we do 24-7 is trying to destroy the work again. And that is why it looks as if the enemy is winning. Because he knows. So the moment you come with that, on that basis that I want to destroy his work again, every work of Satan will destroy you. He knows that he's an ignorant saint praying. He knows that you are not acknowledging the victory of Jesus. How can you undo or try to do what God has done? So for this purpose, so, so what you are saying, every time you are trying to destroy the works of Satan, by default what you are saying in English is that the Son of God did not manifest to destroy that work. So it's up to me now to destroy it. And like I said in Lekki last Sunday, God had to wait for a time in history where God himself can say, okay, now, the enemy has walked. That was why Jesus did not come in Exodus. He was still walking. The works were not established up to the level that we were around the Son of God manifesting. The moment the works of Satan got to a level that God himself had to say, okay, now this guy has walked, so Son can now manifest. That means for Jesus to have manifested earlier, it would be a premature manifestation because this guy has not walked. So God had to wait until so a time that God himself had to judge the fact that, oh God, do you have any other work to do? Satan said, I don't have any other work. So you have walked. You try, you walked. So one functionary is going to come, and the purpose of his coming is to destroy your work. That doesn't mean, you know, I said something here in the morning. Please, leaders, listen to this. If you remove Satan completely from the world, and you don't still have doctrine, and you don't still have prayer life, that means you don't understand Christianity. Because it does appear that the reason why we are doing what we are doing is because of Satan. So do you mean if God should, let's say God excludes Satan in me completely, does that mean we are not going to be praying? <laughs> so that means if God should exclude Satan completely, a lot of pastors will not have jobs. Because what is keeping them employed is the work of Satan. Not the victory of Jesus. So you remove the work of Satan from the scene. Some pastors immediately become jobless. Because there's nothing to do again. Because the whole essence of coming to church, coming to ministry is to fight Satan, to fight Satan, fight and Because Let's say those things are removed. Is that all to Christianity? Rosemary. I have a friend now. 
Okay, is that all? So PDK, imagine we remove the works of Satan. So everybody will say bye bye, bye bye to Jesus. <laughs> because there is nothing again. So after Satan is no more part of the equation. So what is there? That was why Paul started talking to Timothy. He said, Timothy, there's another fight. At that level of fight, you are not fighting Satan. What did he call? He said, fight the good fight of faith. At that level of fight, you are not fighting to conquer Satan. You are trying to lay hold on something bigger than Satan. It's called Zoe. So even if there is no Satan, there is still a fight. Believers are still fighting. But that fight is not to defeat. That fight is to build capacity. Look at what he told Timothy. He said, fight the good fight of faith to defeat Satan. No. To lay hold on what? Eternal life. That means there is a fight to lay hold. And Satan is not part of the equation. How sweet it would be that this is the kind of fight many believers are fighting. And like I said, if you are fighting the lower form of warfare, God is not mad at you. It just shows that you are a baby Christian. You are undermining redemption. Because you can't choose to fight at any level. And that was why last Sunday and this morning here, we established the fact of what it means to fight in heavenly places. You can also fight in earthly places. But when it comes to fighting in heavenly places, there are factors. And that is where you are seated. So, so you see people come, and, and that's where we need to be careful. You see, we're living at a time where encounters are becoming substitute for the ministry of the word. So somebody can come and say, I drank tea with Apostle Paul, and I, it was Mekizede that wore my suit for me this morning. So because of that, this meeting is anointed, and you believe it. The funny thing is that you believe those things. You had coffee with Apostle Paul. What does that mean? You know, I'm, 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 I'm holding myself from saying something because you must tell me. You know the impression we have? See, me thank God to me, say, Pastor, you're there. I mean, veterans are here. You can, I subject this to your judgment. And if you guys feel what I said is wrong, I will, I will align with you. Okay, you know the impression we have is that the guys in the Bible that they know more than us. They lie. How can God start something with the likes of Apostle Paul and with Peter? And 2,000 years after, they still know more than us. So where, where is the scripture now that says the glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former? And that is why you feel if you drink tea with them, you are spiritual. Except you are telling me that in 2,000 years, God is still at the same level he was 2,000 years ago. That will be wrong. God has moved on. Some of these functionaries, if they come here today, 
they will also sit down and take notes. And that is the truth. And that is not being proud. That, because how can you tell me the gaze of 2,000 years now is still leaving us at the same level Peter was? Someone like the late Kennedy again was given the privilege God gave to Apostle Paul. By the grace of God, he too will have written epistles at the level of Apostle Paul. But you know, there's just something about us. It is only when people are dead. <laughs> we respect them. So if you want to be respected, die. <laughs> why, why you are still alive? People, people just... You are a common saint. It's as if you assume another saint status the moment you die. And your name is in the Bible. I mean, die and your name is in the Bible. So people now say they are drinking tea with you. The Bible says it does not matter what they do in Hebrews 11. Without us, they will not be made perfect. So we are the perfecting generation. The only latitude that is not given to us today is that we are not going to write Bible again. I won't write to you an epistle and I claim it's from God. But that doesn't mean what God is doing today is inferior. In the last 2,000 years, there are apostles who have walked this earth that did a greater work than that of Apostle Paul. And when we get to heaven, you'll see. See, those things are just there as reference. They are written as examples unto us. That doesn't mean that is the ultimate in God. They are written so that we can be guided. So that by the time you start misbehaving, you look at the reference. But that doesn't mean God pressed the pause button. And, and from there, people are no longer growing in the purpose of God and growing in dimensions in God. That, that those guys are now the standard. No, they can't be the standard. They are just references. why we said that they can only minister to people in their own generation some of the saints of old if they show up here today they can't, they can't really understand what we are doing because it's not given to them and a very good example I'm going to give you three examples we'll get into, but because this is serious number one when John the Baptist showed up again here I mean, Elijah, I beg your pardon, showed up again in John the Baptist. When Elijah came the first time, so, so that you know that there's nothing special by saying Elijah went with you to a meeting. What does that mean? As Elijah came the first time, calling down fire, a lot of things happened to the spirit and power of Elijah. But by the time the same spirit and power of Elijah came in the New Testament, he was beheaded. <laughs> you didn't hear what we were saying then. Because you, you are only relevant in your own generation. If, if that mantle is transferred to another generation, the context and the complexity of that generation, if you don't also grow as Elijah into what is happening in that generation, you realize that that ancient mantle is not enough to sustain you in a modern generation.
That's why we need to be careful. Those who are doing a mantus. Listen. When Christ was transfigured at the Mount of Transfiguration, it was not Elijah and Moses that God transfigured and Christ showed up. It was Christ that was transfigured and in his light we saw Elijah and Moses, right? Ancient mantles are very, very important. Why was it that Elijah and Moses why were they not talking to the rest of the disciples? Why were they only talking to Jesus? And to show us that, look, Asian functionaries can only have value to what, what Christ... See, they can never replace Christ. And Peter now made the greatest mistake. He said, we're going to build three tabernacles there, which is what a lot of people are doing. So in addition to Christ, we have the mantle of Deborah. We have the mantle of... Who again? Who do you like? Joseph. <laughs> we have the mantle of who again? While he was still saying that, a voice spoke. He said, that is not the order. You might have mantles, you might have functionaries, but you're only listening to one. Because that is why the other two, they are not talking to you. They are only talking to him. The moment they start talking to you, it's a wrong order. Because it is in Christ. They talk. Not because of them, Christ is talking. Uh, if, if you have the mantle of Joseph now, rightly so, and nobody is depressing the fact that those things are happening. You also understand the fact that the Joseph you are talking about, you are referring to, yeah, there is a grace made available there, but it's just a dimension of the gift of Christ. The fullness of that mantle is not in Joseph, it's in Christ. So having encountered Christ, why do you need to go back to Joseph again? Joseph just manifested a measure of the gift of Christ. But when Christ came in this generation, he came with one word, it's called fullness. So that means if you get into Joseph's mantle in Christ... You're not getting me. Not as an end in itself. In Christ, you get the fullness. It's called the spirits of just men made perfect. Because Joseph, also as it is, did not manifest the perfect dimension of that anointing. The perfect dimension of that anointing is called Christ. Because in Christ is all the fullness, all the treasures of wisdom beyond what Joseph displayed. So stop circuiting yourself and staying with Joseph when you have Christ. And that was why on the matter of transfiguration, the voice said, this is my beloved son. He's the only one. So we're not doing this in addition to Elijah and Moses. Even though in his light, you will see Elijah. You will see Moses. It's not that Elijah made you to see Christ. Because we need to be careful, especially this time we live in, where there's so much prophetic and apostolic agitations around us. And people now rely on encounters. There's something about encounters. You can explain encounters currently and concurrently. Look at that transfiguration, Pastor Deji. Years later, when Peter now wanted to explain what happened. Look at what Peter said. Years later. Because you might think you are drinking coffee with Apostle Paul now and rating it so high. 
But years later, you will know that it's not, it doesn't matter. Then Peter has said, let us breed through tabernacles here. One for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for Christ. <laughs> and I'm sure God was wondering, what is this guy talking about? You want to build three tabernacles? Because we now have Christianity of many tabernacles. Some people have five tabernacles. One for Christ, one for Wigan, one for Wigan, one for Wigan. You know, come and talk to me. One for Gedrin Goma, one for Joseph Ayobabala. You see, those things are not wrong because in his light we see light. It was as Christ transfigured that you saw Moses and Elijah. It was not as Moses and Elijah transfigured, you saw Christ. Moses and Elijah spoke to Christ. That means everything they need to say, they say to Christ. And by the time Christ is talking to you, he has said everything also. So you don't now need to start looking for the perspective of Moses. After Christ has spoken. And that's why God said, this is my only beloved son, hear him. He's the one you should hear. He's the one that has the final say. Look at, look at what Peter said. Um, when, when talking about, for we have not followed calling these vice fables, but make known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, where I witnesses of his majesty. That first Peter or second Peter? Let's quickly look into that. This was years later. And again, please, the multimedia people should know scripture now. Well, okay, now, second Peter. Now, look at Peter, the same Peter now. We're not told how many years after. Let's say maybe this is like 20 years after. Look at the same Peter referring to that same encounter now. Let's read everyone go. For we did not follow. If you are not careful, what you call encounters, at your level of explanation, what you're explaining is what is scripturally called, calling it device fables. But you won't know it's fables now until 30 years later. So that means Peter suddenly realized what I said that day. Is calling, he said, we didn't follow. And look at what he said. When we do what? The what? And the what? But we were what? Of who? Did you see 30 years after? Did, did Peter mention Elijah and Moses at all? But there was a time he was excited. Let us do Twitter. Now he's reporting the same story now. He said, we are eyewitnesses of his majesty. Move on. Read on everyone. For he... Come on, read with me, everyone. One to go. Move on. In addition to Moses and Elijah, read on. Until the day dawns and the day star rises in your heart. Was there any mention of Moses and Elijah there? No. Because he now knew the difference between experience and calling it device fables. 
I now said, now, we have the, a more sure word of prophecy. Say so we have the prophetic word confirmed. That means, it's not like, you don't need, I mean, look at, this is Peter years later, now saying, I mean, what's what they, he did not even mention Moses and Elijah again. Because he now understood that that whole experience was not about Moses and Elijah, it was about Christ. I believe in encounters, and I've had so many, but I will never substitute those things for the written word. Because the moment you do that, you have created what is called cunningly devised fables. And there are too many of them around in the body of Christ today. So we gather, look at us now, gathered here. And the Bible begins to tell us what we have come into. Hebrews 12. Let's look at that. I don't know why we are, see, this, this is not my teaching at all. I don't know why the Lord is just drawing me in this direction. Look at all we have come into. Hebrews 12. Was that Hebrews 12? Verse what? We have come into Mount Zion. Verse what is that? Come on, multimedia apples. Can somebody pick the verse? What verse is that? 22. Or you have what? To what? To what again? To what again? Rosemary. How can you come to an innumerable company of innumerable? And somebody now comes to the service... And the only reason why that service is special is because he has seen seven angels. Oh, we like to play. <laughs> so by telling us you saw seven, you are even short. You are, you are done playing what we have come into. as we are here already, there are innumerable companies. So that you saw seven doesn't make the meeting spiritual. So in the New Testament, there is nothing called angelic manifestation. They are here. If they choose to do anything, fine. But that is not what makes a meeting special. The presence of saints. is more important than the presence of angels. I hope I've not lost half of the people now. Because you are excited if I tell you now that Michael is around. <laughs> You are waiting. Only my kekoa no Oh, I tell somebody, say Gabriel is at the door here. The one is shaking. Say, eh? Eh? Angeli. <laughs> or if I say Rosemary is here. Because we are going to move on. Look at what he said. The number of company of angels. What again? To the general assembly. 
Let's read it together. And church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. This is what we have come to. To who again? And to who again? So that means the spirit of Rosemary made perfect. So, so, so why we come together? That's why it's good to fellowship. I'm seeing the perfect version of Rosemary. Have you noticed that? That's why people behave well in church. Spirit of just men made perfect. That's part of what we have come into. Move on. What else? Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and what? The blood of sprinkling that speaks better thing than that of... We have come into those things. Because one of the things we need to also redefine in our time is the doctrine of angels. The meeting is not special because angels are present. Can I shock you? The presence of an angel in a meeting may also mean God is not in the meeting. I've scattered everything now. Exodus 33. If you see an angel, it might also mean God is not there. And the Lord said to Moses, let's establish that in the world. Depart and go from here. You and these people. To the land which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it. I will send my angel before you. Who is talking? And when that angel is there, exploit will happen. Because with my angel, you will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Etites, and the Perizzites. And when people are looking at that exploit, they will think I'm there. Next verse. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. I will not go with you. But I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way. For you guys are stubborn. God said, I'll send my angel, but I won't go with you. So you come into that meeting, you see that angel. You start rejoicing. But a spiritual man sees that angel is money. Because like, this manifestation of this angel is a message that God is not going with us. Look at Moses. Moses was very wise. What verse is that? Is that verse 14 or so? Moses said, if your <laughs> presence, what verse is that, doesn't go with us. No, 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 before that, verse 13. Then he said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, we will not go. But look at the angel, the fight, exploits are happening, but Moses understood the fact that we have angelic presence doesn't mean we have your presence. Moses now had to request that there's something angels cannot give us. It's called rest. Look at Moses now said, if your presence does not go with us, see, angels can go with us and we can have conquest, conquer Etide and Evi. We will be conquering, but there will still no be rest. Moses now said, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us from here. Look at what God now said. 
Moses said, how will it be known that you and the people have found grace in your sight? The angel can be there and here there is no grace. Except to go with us. Because there is something your presence does. We will be separate from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. Ah, when God now heard that, the Lord now said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken for. You have found grace for I know you by name. No, verse 14, before we get there, please. How did God respond? And he said, my presence. That means angelic presence. It's not my presence. Then now that I offered angel, and you are now saying, we are not going to go with angel. God now said, maybe it's a test for you, Moses, to see whether you are wise and discerning. God now said, my presence will go with you. But that my presence will now give you something no angel can give you, and I'll give you rest. That means you can conquer the Evite, but there's no rest. You don't know what is happening in the body of Christ all over the world. High level spiritual warfare, but no rest. Because there are things angels cannot offer. When next you see an angel? Just say, are you a substitute for the presence? Because if you have come, because God is not coming, we don't want this level of presence. We want his presence. Because we are not just looking for conquest, we are looking for rest. Because in the New Testament, Pastor Timmy, Pastor Ayo, Am I communicating? Because you guys, I want you to judge all that I'm saying. Pastor Timmy, remember back people. <laughs> That's why we have all kinds of streams in the house. There's Rema. Ah, that's why I love that song. If your presence doesn't go with us, we don't want to leave this place. Lord, to you we come. The modern generation, they don't know that. May your presence fill us every way. May your spirit lead the way. Let your presence go. It's done well. Ah, find that song for me. Rosemary. If your presence <laughs> doesn't go. That's me for you. Once I fall in love with someone. That's the only name you'll be hearing. And I met Rosemary this morning, and she just became adopted. <laughs> Can you play? Do you know it? Itoro, do you know it? If your presence doesn't go with us, anyone that knows it, we don't want to leave this place. Multimedia, can you find it for us? Can you play it? Can you play it? If your presence doesn't go with us, we don't want to leave this place. Lord, we need you now. As we go from here, lead us by your love and grace. May your presence fill us every day. May your spirit lead the way. 
Lord, to you we call. Let your glory fall. And may your presence go with us. <laughs> that, that's from Moses. Moses said, I'm, I'm not going to settle for an angel. Because that angel will mean your presence is not with us. That's why you're sending the angel. So, are we saying angelic ministries are not important? No. Because there are also human angels. The Bible says, be careful to entertain strangers. For some have entertained angels unwittingly. So if every angel is... Because that's, when people hear angels, that's what they are thinking. They are looking for wings. But the Bible says some people entertain strangers. And by entertaining strangers, they entertain angels without knowing. So that means there are angels that look like human beings. You will have... Because if, if, if you meet such angels, and I ask you, and I say, Pastor Inka, have you ever met an angel? You say no. But before you came to church, you just entertained one without knowing. You stopped for one at the traffic. You told him to pass without knowing. So this is a good time to look at somebody seated next to you. And say, are you an angel? <laughs> the angel called Rosemary. <laughs> so such people give us that scripture look at it do not forget to entertain what by so doing some have what unknowingly unwittingly entertain angels so there are angels that if you take them to Amalaskai they will follow you you entertain them with a malaskai. They will eat. They will thank you. And without you knowing, you just had an angelic encounter without knowing. So, so you see, these things are not as difficult as people put it. So that's why we're making it simple. To say that, look, when, when Bible talks about that, this is it. And again, you ask people now. If I, if I ask how many of us saw an angel in church this morning, you'll say no. All of us went to church this morning. Did you see an angel? If the Lord were to write a letter to this church, how is he going to address Pastor Dami? You see, you see how we short circuit ourselves, only understanding one dimension of angels. Meanwhile, there are many dimensions in scripture. If you say, Did you see an angel in church this morning? He said, No. But the Lord will look at you. He said, You're a pastor. Say, if I if I want to write a letter, and that is the last thing I said, the last book of the Bible, to the angel of PowerPoint tribe, write. <laughs> And that is why at times we don't honor our pastors. We rather honor if they say Uriel or Michelangelo is there. You want to honor that one. But the angel that is in suit, like Pastor Dami, tall, with glasses, with shirt, and that comes and holds, you know, Pastor Dami doing his leg like that and say, Praise the Lord, someone. He said, This one is <laughs> not an angel. 
But as far as God is concerned, that's the angel. Only the head of the church could have done that. Because he was like, you guys are missing something. You are looking for you are looking for beings that are giants with wings. And the Lord is saying, I send one to you every Sunday. He stands in front of you. Because as far as I'm concerned, that is the only constant angel that you see. To the angel of PowerPoint tribe, write. And he said, I know your works. Have we demystified angels now? So Pastor Timistan, and that was why I was so happy. We were here last Sunday, and some of the elders in power, and out of Zion, they did not know Pastor Mary and I were listening. So three of them just gathered together, and they were talking, and they were like, Pastor Timmy is our pastor. That over the years, he has earned the right to pastor us. That guy is pastoring us. <laughs> And I'm like, what? I think they were so excited. In fact, one of them said he might be young. Said, but the way he carries himself. That that I have come to submit my life to him. That is my pastor. And they were doing that like this. He's my pastor. <laughs> of out of Zion, right? <laughs> wow, so much love, Pastor Timmy. You have heard it. You see, these guys are excited that now they have a pastor. One that they can call pastor. You know what? Because the Lord looks at him and the Lord says, that is your angel. So there is no church without an angel. But we don't respect those ones. It's the one that a guest minister will come and say, I see 10 angels. What does that mean? Innumerable complaint. Tell us another thing, please. Okay, you see seven. We see see (laughs) 1,000. We can't even count what we are seeing. We can't count. So stop telling us seven. That is like, how can you give us seven? When is it innumerable? And you think that will excite us? <laughs> you think that will excite us? You are, you are underselling us. You're telling us seven. Seven out of what? Seven over innumerable. What, what, what does that mean? What, what kind of mathematics is that? <laughs> The balance is that that doesn't mean angels don't operate. But we're just trying to say, let's be careful. Because what we are supposed to value in the body of Christ, we are not valuing those things again. We like calling it device fables. Once it sounds esoteric, once it sounds spiritual. And yet, that is not, that's not supernatural. The supernatural times can be quiet, devoid of drama, and yet it's solid. Because we want to go for meetings now. And the way we judge meetings is how many people are falling under the anointing. And if people don't fall under the anointing, it can't be a solid meeting. No. 
How many people fell under the anointing in the life and ministry of Jesus? And that doesn't mean we don't have people falling falling under the anointing in our meetings. It happens everywhere, even in the UK. It happens in America. But that's not. But we don't judge how solid a meeting is on the basis of that. We look at a meeting on the basis of the word. What is the level of word communicated there? Because if it's all about encounters, after Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, Satan showed up. So fasting and prayer doesn't chase Satan away. In fact, it brings him. Because that is not the basis of conquering Satan. It cannot be your fasting and your prayer. Who would have thought after the greatest functionary on the earth, the Lord himself, fasted 40 days and 40 nights, Satan will run away. In fact, it is such disturbances that bring Satan close. Because he wants to check it. I said, who is this guy disturbing the ecosystem? But there's only one thing the enemy was interested in. This fasting and prayer. How much word is in it? What is the word content? Because you can fast and pray, and yet you don't know who you are. So after generating that high-level spiritual capital, the first thing the enemy did was to introduce doubt. If... Because he knows the moment you don't know who you are, it does not matter even if you fast and your back blends with your front. You are still not a functionary that can do the will of God. If you are the son of God. And look at how the son of God answered. Like I told them in the morning here, once it is written, it is no longer subject to your emotion. It is no longer subject to your reason or your feeling. That is why we don't prosecute spiritual warfare based on feeling. We go to what is written. Psalm 149. To execute on them the judgment written. This honor of all his saints. The way many people prosecute spiritual warfare, does it look honorable? You are doing spiritual warfare as a victim. Not as the one that to execute judgment is your honor. And of course, finally, before we now get into the word now. But we've not started. We're just we are, we are panel beating. We are removing the wheat so that we can sow the seed. Hebrews, I mean Revelations twelve. We did say that the Satan is not the strongest being God created. Right before your eyes in Hebrews 12, Michael defeated him. Because the lie the enemy has been peddling all over the world that is informing our theology. The way the body of Christ is structured all over the world is that we think the enemy is the strongest. Right under our nose, what broke out in heaven? God did not lift a finger. Who fought? Michael and his angels. And who fought again? The dragon and his angels. Even the enemy knew that at the level of heavenly warfare, you don't fight alone. One of the weaknesses in our theology is the fact that people are trying to fight alone. So we don't have a kingdom agenda. Even Lucifer did not fight alone. Is the dragon and what? His angels. Even Michael did not fight alone. So when you are fighting in heavenly places, you don't fight alone. That's why I'm standing with Rosemary now. She's not fighting alone. I'm Rosemary. We're cool now. We're together now. 
Because you don't fight alone. Look at you. That is why when the enemy wants to defeat you, he will isolate you. You are offended. I will not go to that church again. <laughs> it's the isolation strategy. It's the isolation policy of the enemy. And it's always coming through offenses. And the moment you are offended, you stay at home. And look at it. And the dragon and his angels fought. But look at that. But they did not prevail, nor was there a place found for them in heaven. So that means this is not the first time. Satan has always been a loser. Even among angels, there are angels that defeated him. You see it there. Without God lifting a finger. Because the lie is always telling people, is that he gives this impression that he's the strongest. He has, there is no being God created that God will have to fight as God. There will be other beings that can do any being. Yeah. Because you now see that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. So, so the enemy is overcomable. And the Bible said they did not overcome him because it was Michael that was fighting. Michael overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, not as Michael. That means new creation realities are stronger than you. You see? It does not matter who you are. Once you can appropriate new creation realities, your status in the spirit will change. So that means Michael did not defeat him as Michael. Because the Bible does not tell us that they overcame him because it was Michael. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony. Look at when they overcame him. Look at what they started saying. The word of their testimony. Because people have appropriated the blood, but people don't have the word of their testimony. Move on. What were they saying in heaven? Loud. Loud in heaven. What verse is that? No, no. What they said, now has come salvation. That's the word of their testimony. Everyone read this verse. One, two, go loud. No, 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 that's not the verse. Verse 10. That's what is on my screen. It's another verse that is here. One, two, go. Now. For. Pastor Deji. A and PDA. There are two levels to do spiritual warfare. You can start from that four. And all you are doing every day is to declare and declare so that the accuser of the brethren will be cast down. And God is not mad at you. He's just amazed at your ignorance. So all you are doing is that the accuser of our brethren... The nature of Satan is accuser of our brethren. You, you are bringing it out. You are bringing it on. Accuser of our brethren, accusing them, we cast you down. We cast you down. We cast you down. Or else, you can wake up in the morning and say, now salvation. Now strength. Now the kingdom of God. Now the power of his Christ. Because once you say that, you are saying that for... Oh, you, you didn't get that. So once you say that, the reason why you say that is because you already know 
the accuser of the brethren is cast down. So those who say this, say it because they know the second half already happened. Which one is easier? To say your sins are forgiven. Or to say, arise, take up your bed and go home. Which, is it not easier to say now? Because once you say those four things, you've taken care of the other one. But some people want to start from the other one to make this four to happen. And the Lord is saying that is a wrong order. So that means if you wake up in the morning and just like they were prosecuting spiritual warfare in heavenly places and all we hear is now salvation. Strength. The kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. Even in hell, they know that functionally knows that the reason why he could say that is that the accuser of our brethren has been cast down. Because they said that for because Let's change the way we do things because the enemy is no longer a threat. It's now a tool. So it was not the strongest. And I also showed us that it was not the most wicked. There were more wicked things. Jude 1 6 again. Just as a recap. You think it was the most wicked? And the reason why God kept Satan on earth, he was cast down to the earth. We just read it now. Was because with him we are safe on the earth. It's no longer a threat. But there were beings that were threats. God did not cast them to the earth. God cast them down to hell. Look at it. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain. When you get to heaven, you will know the meaning of this. Why God did not allow this being to come to the earth. But left their own abode. He has reserved what? You know the MOJ, do you know the meaning of everlasting change? That means FOJ, God is saying these beings. We can't just send them to hell. We, we, there must be another level of security. The first level of security is that they must not come to the earth, send them to hell. Meanwhile, Satan was sent to the earth because it's no longer a threat. So the ones that are threats, greater threat than Satan, God said hell. Not just to hell. He said put them in everlasting chain. Because God said their level of wickedness can break any chain. So the chain must be everlasting. In what? Under what? Second level, third level security. They must not see Rosemary. They must not see daylight. And that's why Jumoke is a person. Because they must, those beings must not see you. They said Jumo what? But, but Lucifer, Satan, they, in fact, God handed over his passport to him. He said, you, you already judged. The prince of this world is judged. But this one, God is reserving their judgment. Look at it. He has reserved an everlasting change under darkness for the judgment of the great day. That means the only time you are going to see these beings is on judgment day. That is when you will now see the level of wickedness God prevented you from. Because these ones are more sophisticated, more dangerous than Satan. Only for Peter to repeat the same thing. Second Peter 2.4. So you think it's just Jude. These are two preachers that perhaps never met. And they are saying the same thing. For God did not spare the angels who sinned. But cast them down to hell. But Lucifer to the earth. And God said, because you are no longer a threat, be walking to and fro. Up and down. Because that is the punishment of Satan. He's walking to and fro and up and down. is his punishment. 
Because that means it's no longer a threat. It's now a tool. That means every time the enemy is doing something now, after it fell, he's advancing the purposes of God by design and by default. Look at these ones. Cast them down to hell. Deliver them into chains of darkness. And God said to be reserved for judgment. He has not even judged this one. Meanwhile, Lucifer, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin, the world of judgment, and the world, the world of righteousness and the world of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, of sin, because I go to my father. Of, of, of judgment, what did he say? The prince of this world is judged. So for the enemy, he has received his own judgment. What is his judgment? Waka. Just be going up and down. So that means be going around Rosemary, but you can never affect Rosemary. That is the frustration of the enemy. So his being here is his punishment. He's not here for any mastery. It is his judgment. He's already serving his own prison time by being on that. And by being around you and I, and without the ability again to influence us negatively, without the ability again to destroy the purposes of God, because God sent him here as a destroyed functionary. It's not a true. Look at that Hebrews 12 again. So these beings are more wicked than Satan. So you can see Satan was not the strongest and he was not the most wicked. Look at the emoji. Now emoji, if these ones came to the earth, there won't be emoji. Or the Lord looked at the level of threat of Satan. He said, well, this is your level of threat. Roam freely. That is your punishment. Because your level, we have checked you out. You are no longer a threat. Those that are threat, they are in hell now under chains, wanting to break. But because those chains are everlasting chains, they keep on reproducing themselves. As we are breaking one level, the chain will reproduce. Because it's an everlasting chain. Until God says, no more chain, bring them out. Ah, you will kneel down by the time you see those men say, God, <laughs> thank you. That in a lifetime, we did not encounter this one. But at the same time, you say, God, thank you that Satan is around now. Because it's, it's, it's now a two. Verse number Hebrews, I mean, Revelations 12. Let's quickly get into this and we get into the word. <laughs> Why is Satan angry? Let's quickly look at that and we, we can move on. What verse is that? Go to read the inhabitants, you rejoice all your heavens and you dwell in them. That is where you are, in heavenly places. So rejoicing is a weapon of our warfare. That's where you are. Go to inhabitants of the earth, that is where religious people are, and the sea. For the devil has come down to you, and that's why you can't blame people who do warfare at that level. It's true. They're actually battling Satan. Having great wrath. Why? Because he was cast down? No. Because he does not have time. Why is the enemy angry? He was not angry because he was cast down. He is angry because he does not have time. So one of the ways to wear out the enemy is to have time. As important as Jesus was, Pastor Deji, after 40 days of fasting and prayer, you will have taught. The enemy will give him 80 temptations. He was only able to manufacture three. You know why? He doesn't have time. Because as he was doing Jesus, they've already called him also that there's another guy. And he's like, 
Oh, that's why he's angry. That you can wake up and pray two hours. He cannot wait on you while you are praying two hours. He can only do 15 minutes. So the moment you break into the 16 minutes, he's looking for Mrs. Ifekoya. And as he's telling Mrs. Ifekoya, Mrs. Ifekoya is studying the Bible. He only has five minutes. And Mrs. Ifekoya said, I'm going to study for two hours. Ah! He was like, Emmanuel Tafa. He gets to Emmanuel Tafa. Emmanuel Tafa said, today, we are waiting on God the whole day, praying. Ah! He said, that you are giant. He gets to that giant. But that giant, he said, today, I'm just going to love my wife. I'm going to walk in love. He said, oh, let me go to Afghanistan. He does not have time. That is why to defeat the enemy, one of the things the Lord will teach you is the law of repetition. Keep on doing the same thing. Keep on saying it. Because that is the way you wear him out. He is angry. Because God has put him in a situation where no matter what he wants to do, he will never have enough time to do it. That is punishment. But here you are. You have Zoe. <laughs> not, that means not only do you have physical life, you also have eternal life. You can do and undo. So that means if the enemy is doing anything at all and you want to defeat him, in that sense, you know what I mean by defeat? Because he's already defeated. I'm just talking at our level now. Buy time. Invest time. Spend time. Husband and wife, we are fighting. You spend time with your wife. Spend time talking. You realize that time spent is a weapon. Because one of the greatest weapons God has given us is time. And that is what the enemy doesn't have. And that is why he's angry. Because he knows the importance of time. And that's why you and I cannot afford to play with time. Because time is a weapon. Luke 22, let's get into the word now. So this is uh, our engagement part number two. Luke 22, 31. Jessica. You know, God is raising me as a minister. And as I said, Luke 22, as I wanted to start reading this, I just saw the glory of God around where you are seated. And that's the hand of the Lord coming on you. Receive grace. Yes, indeed, God has raised you. And God is calling into the ministry in such a significant manner to do a work for him. And that work is significant. And that is why the hand of the Lord is on you. And don't forget that. It's very, very important in the name of Jesus. Luke 22, 1. And the Lord said, Pastor Deji, this is very, very important. But all I just want to do in this second session is to establish scripturally that Satan is no longer a threat, he's now a tool. And the Lord says, Simon, Simon, indeed. This is the Lord saying it. Rosemary, Jumoke, if Satan was that powerful, why didn't he just go for Peter straight? Why was he asking the Lord? Pastor Dami, why will he ask? 
And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, in Satan has asked for you. Why? why? Why do you need to ask? That he may do what? Sift you as wheat. Move on. But I have prayed for you. That your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. I like in the old King James Version when you are converted. Give it to us in the old King James Version. When you are converted. Pastor Deji. Pastor Ayo. Pastor Timmy. Pastor Dami. PDA. Pastor Femi Ojo. Everybody. MOJ. Pastor Moji. Listen to me. This is a classic case. And thank God it was the Lord that brought this revelation to us. Of the fact that the enemy is no longer a threat, but it's a tree. Why would Satan need to ask? Does this scripture not show us that some of the things we think the enemy is responsible for, he doesn't even know anything about it. Because he wanted to attack Peter. The Lord was coming out of his house. He stood there and he said, excuse me, sir. The Lord said, what is it? He said, I want to mess up Peter. I'm asking you, sir. That can I go ahead and mess that up? Keep it to us again. Why you? Because I'm, I'm helping you to say it in English. Verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan, not even a demon, a desire to have you. That he may mess you up. Let's use that language. Sift you as wheat. Pastor Deji, I present to you the tool called Satan. But for this intention of the desire of the enemy, five things will never have happened to Peter. Number one, oh, I have prayed for you. That means the intention of the enemy made the Lord to pray for Peter. Why can the enemy be a threat? That means, but for that desire of the enemy, there's a level of intercession the Lord possibly will not make up for Peter. That means the enemy as a tool now became the reason why the Lord was interceding for Peter. I have prayed for you. But I have prayed for you. So if the intention of the enemy can make the Lord to become an intercessor for me, then let the enemy desire more. So that the Lord can intercede for me more. That means it's a tool. It's, it's now his intention that made Jesus who lived forever to make intercession for us to now look at Peter and to say hmm, I have prayed for you number two what am I praying for you that your faith should not fail that means the intention of the enemy was what made the Lord to start communicating and interceding for Peter to such an extent that it was the intention of the enemy that raised the faith level of Peter to fail failure proof That means Peter attained 
a failure proof dimension of his faith because the enemy desired him. That means it was the desire of the enemy that made Peter to attain another status in faith. But for this asking of Peter, the faith of Peter will still be subject to failure. But because the one that is interceding for you is the one whose intercession is always accurate. So when he says that your faith will not fail, that means from that day, your faith will never fail again. Number three. When you are converted, Pastor Dami, it was the prayer point of Satan, the desire of Satan. That made Peter to be converted. Then suddenly Peter became converted. And all the brethren around Peter became strengthened. So let's look at it one by one. Who strengthened the brethren? Who made Peter to be converted? Who made the faith level of Peter to rise? Who made Christ to intercede for Peter? Answer. So how can the enemy now be a threat? Write it down. Whatever we call spiritual warfare is not more than this. Because spiritual warfare for the believer is the enemy expressing his interest and his desire for you. But what does that do to the believer? It makes your faith stronger. Give me Judges chapter number three. I shared it because it's a principle in Judges three that God is using here. Deliberately, God kept Satan here so that number one, the brethren can be strengthened. So suddenly, Peter came out of that situation, and all the brethren around Peter are now so strengthened. They are all not powerful. But who made it happen? So, whatever you call spiritual warfare, think again. It is an opportunity to attain unto this status. This is why the Lord is revealing his intelligence for us. That means, but for the intention of the enemy, Peter will not be here. Now, this is God. These are the nations with the Lord left deliberately. Just like he left Satan here. Why? That he might test Israel by them. That is all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan. Move on. This was only so that generation of the children of Israel might be taught to know war. At least those who had not known it. So God said, look at the nations he left. Move on. Namely the five lords of the Philistines. So if these people were were not left, David will never learn warfare. Because that was where Goliath came from. So God said, we can't take away all the enemies. They are now tools. Because if we take them out, because this was shortly after Joshua, if Joshua took everybody out, God said we will raise a generation that will never understand warfare. So God said, let some countries be. And one of those were five lords of the Philistines. So that a David, so when David said, Blessed be God who teach my hands to war. You think God was coming down and God was saying, Tutorial number one, this is lesson in warfare. No, it was by sending lion to him. And by sending beer to him. So that one day he said, the Lord that delivered me out of the poor. Because the only way God can train you is the enemy that is a true.
bam. <laughs> then you now met a prophet. Now say, ah, oh, boy, Delaney. As I said, you know the moment they say that you just become humble. You, you that you are happening guy. They now ask you. They said, come to Ori okay. <laughs> you now go and sit there. Olua. <laughs> Agbara Kibati. Agbara. But put it on Instagram. You can't. But you see, the enemy humbled you so that God can reach you. It's a tool. But for, but for the enemy, you, I know you. Look at Rosemary now. You, you'll be acting fine girl. He does his song and say, how does God think? What does God? And say, after I'm going to Miami, you know, Miami. And, and nobody will see your brake lights. But you see, God said, how can we get Rosemary? That George, he said, leave the five lords of the Philistine in their family. So that he can learn how to kill the lion. How to kill the bear. Because Goliath is coming. And not just Goliath. He will also be a warrior fighting the battles of God. But how do we train him if all the enemies are gone? So it is in our interest that Satan is kept here. So that you can be trained. Because without that, you cannot even fight the good fight of faith. Because you wouldn't even understand the other side of warfare. Before you, it, is, it is when you have mastered that one, you can now say you want to fight the good fight of faith. It's just like if you have killed the lion and the bear, that's when you can now kill Goliath. Because by the time I was 17, the cancer that, that was diagnosed, you came to church, you prayed, and you overcame it. That is the last time you take the enemy serious. Because you now know that it's overcomable. That's the story of Kenneth again. That's the story of Lester Sombra. On their deathbed, they overcame sickness. And they knew God has power. So it was, it was, a, it was the sickness again had that made him to encounter God. So tell me how the enemy is no longer a two. How can it be a threat? So the meaning of this scripture is that there are certain things God kept there deliberately to get you to know God. So let's go back to what he told Peter. So that means the brethren became strengthened. Suddenly the faith of Peter became failure proof. That became converted. The Lord started interceding for Peter just because the enemy said so. So what, what do we call spiritual warfare, Jumoke? Whenever the enemy is trying to do something in your life, start rejoicing. These are the four results you get. Did you notice the Lord did not pray against the intention of the enemy? He doesn't do that. The Lord did not say, Peter, my prayer is that Satan will not sift you. Did you see that there? He will never do that. Because the day the Lord does that, he's acknowledging that the enemy is powerful. He's acknowledging that the intentions of the enemy is a threat. That was why instead of focusing on the enemy, the Lord focuses on the believer. In spiritual warfare, the Lord does not focus on the enemy. The Lord's strategy is not anti-enemy. The Lord's strategy is pro-believer. It is you the Lord is praying for. It is not the enemy the Lord is praying against. Oh, you are not getting me. It is you the Lord is praying for. The Lord will never pray against the enemy. Because to pray against the enemy is to acknowledge that he has power. In Bible, that same principle too. 
Whenever something is happening, fortify yourself in God. Stop praying against what the enemy is doing. Pray for yourself. Build up yourself on your most holy faith. Stop resisting the enemy. You build capacity. Say now salvation, now strength, the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. The moment you are saying that, you are saying the accuser of our brethren has been cast down. So it is you that is building capacity. Not against the enemy. Imagine the Lord did not even mention the enemy. And was Peter converted? Yes, that was why he rose first Peter. You know, in first Peter, I said, those who have obtained like pressure faith said that the trial of your faith, because he knew what, and he said, the trial of your faith is precious than gold that perishes. I mean, so was he doing the assignment? So who suffered now? Not only what he meant for Peter, even the brethren benefited from it because the brethren now became strengthened. Peter now wrote a piece, as I'm talking about those who have obtained like precious faith. So I'm talking about that the trial of your faith is, is more serious than gold that perishes. So who benefited? Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 12 4. The true that is called Satan. You got low true language. Is it true? Is that twelve four? Let's have the exalted. Second Corinthians twelve seven. Everybody read. Move on. Move on. What's the name of this sister smiling? That sister to the extreme with afro hair, long hair. You. Come. Because I could see that this message really gets you. What's your name? Are you a member of PowerPoint? Come, come. Today's your day. What's your name? Your name is Faith. So that your faith should not fail. Did that touch you? Did the teaching touch you that your faith will not fail? So you now know why some things exist in your family. It's not against you. And the Lord is saying you're a glory factor in that family. And that's why right now the hand of the Lord is on you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Receive grace now. Receive grace now. Receive grace now. We send you forth to go change things. We 
because you have now obtained victory. And whatever is happening, whatever is that record, you are set free. Because the Son has set you free indeed. So go forth with that measure of the anointing. And go and cause a difference in the scheme of things. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And he said to me, no, 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 you, you can go back and see that. It's fine. Pastor Timmy, look at another case study. Pastor Dami, go back to verse number seven. Because two things are happening there, but most people don't see. Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation. Two things happened. A turn in the flesh was given to me. Comma. So the turn in the flesh is not the messenger of Satan. There are two separate things. What, what was given to him? Comma. And what? A messenger of Satan to do what? So that I would not be what? So that I would be contained. Look at me, everyone. This is Apostle Paul that we all respect by saying this. Possibly, if this were not to be Paul, you could doubt it and say, What's going on there? How can. And that's why, Pastor Deji, when you say, Apostle Paul should come and teach us today, will you take this an Apostle serious? He comes and he says, I have killed before. I killed many people. I killed Stephen. In fact, as I'm preaching to you now, there's, there's a turn in my flesh. And as I'm ministering now, a messenger of Satan is buffeting me. Yesterday, I told Timothy to use alcohol <laughs> to cure his stomachache. And you are like, who is this? <laughs> that cannot even cure his assistant. That even left one guy sick. Oh, you didn't hear when he said, I left him there sick. <laughs> I said, this guy is not faithful. Oh, out of all the people working, even his assistant is, is, is asking him to use Panadol for his headache. Because he said, Timothy, don't just use a little one. I'm like, ah, apostle. <laughs> are you a pharmacist or are you an apostle? <laughs> and the guy now said, a messenger of Satan was sent to buffet me. And hear the word of the Lord. Listen to this. Don't miss me here. Why this? Apart from weakening your faith, another thing the enemy attempts to do with the believer is to contain you. What is the whole essence of this so that you will not be exalted above measure? That means revelation exalts. The enemy is afraid of revelation. So the moment he saw that Paul was beginning to leave a particular threshold to move into another threshold of revelation, ah, he said, no, we must send a messenger of Satan to perfect him. Is that true? Yes. We, we just saw what we had the level of Peter. Now we're seeing what we had the level of Paul. Paul said there's a messenger of Satan. He wasn't a small demon. He said, Satan sent a messenger to me. And the word I sent is to what? 
And he repeated again, he said, lest I be exalted above measure. Look at me, everyone. That means every time you want to move to another measure, that is when you experience warfare. So I have to keep you in that measure. Because the enemy is afraid of measures. And that's why Paul repeated it. Have you noticed that? That is when people now start doing stupid things. A sister is about to get into the next measure. That is why one, one funny guy in your walk is winking at you. Look at when sisters commit adultery or fornication. Have you noticed that, that your vulnerable moment is your moment of strength? Because it's not that. Because the way a lot of people think Satan operates is that as you are about to move to the next level, somebody will just come and say, Jumoke or hey, Rosemary, I'm a messenger of Satan sent to buffet you. It doesn't happen that way. The messenger of Satan can be the guy you are falling for in the office. Even the guy himself doesn't know he's a messenger of Satan. So it's not every agent of Satan that knows they are agents. In fact, some of them think they are nice. It's just that that's not the fruit of the spirit. It's the name of a musician. (laughs) Move on. Pastor Dami, Pastor Timmy, just like people doing church today, Apostle Paul went into warfare concerning this thing. I pleaded with the Lord three times that I might depart from me. Even Apostle Paul here, what many people naturally will want to do when the message of Satan is resisting them, is perfecting them. You want to ask the Lord to remove it, but you will never see the Lord removing it. Because he doesn't fight Satan. So, the Lord came one day and said, Paul, also you are going to write to the Corinthians after that meeting. Paul said, excuse me, sir. Can you remove this thing? The Lord just acted as if he didn't hear. He came again two weeks after. He said, so when you get to the region of Tyra uh, and all those pontus, this is what you are going to do. Apostle Paul said, excuse me, sir. You are forgetting something. Remove this thing. The third time, the Lord came. The Lord said, okay, for the sake of the Fekoyas, for the sake of Rosemary, for the sake of Jumoke, let me feel <laughs> Let me show for this. The Lord said, Paul, let me answer you. So that people will know this is not how to pray to me. I thought the Lord would say, from today, the thorn in the flesh removed. What did he say? He said to me, Pastor Ayo, what is the correlation between buffeting and grace? That means the Lord is saying, Brother Paul, if the enemy is buffeting you and you are still alive, it's because it is only within the context of that buffeting you can experience my grace. So that buffeting is no longer buffeting. It's now a source of grace. Oh. Look at you. In spite of all the enemy has done, you are still here. Does that not communicate grace to you? You 
know how many people did not pass through for what you passed through before they became insane? Yeah. Here you are with all that you are going through. You are, you are still planning your wedding. <laughs> you still want to go and do your masters. You are still looking good. And everybody is wondering, is there anything wrong? They don't even, do, have, have you noticed brethren will carry grace? I was in that category. You only have two clothes. But people think you have ten. Because you, you wear it with grace. So people always feel you have more. Did that happen to you when you were on campus? On campus, we used to give all our monies to fellowship. And we just leave by faith. Once we come, we drop everything from the beginning of the semester. Just leave by faith. But you see, people thought we were a rich student. Our parents were rich. And, and what we had only maybe three shirts, two trousers, one, one shoe. But all the ladies were writing us love letters. So I get back to, from my room, and somebody has put a love letter in my, on my door. And he said, how I wish I can go out with you. And I'm like, review yourself. <laughs> Why are you writing secret letters? You know, there was no GSM at the time. There was no phone. So it was just, the only way people used to express love is letters. And somebody wrote one. He said, the only reason why I joined this fellowship is because we have a fine boy pastor. <laughs> so it's not today. This guy has been fine. He's been... <laughs> Imagine that was what somebody wrote and put on my door. I just got there. I was like, okay. I just got past some money. I said, see, oh, you have competitors. You know, all these people are uh, competing with you. <laughs> I mean, you can imagine all that. Does that not show grace? That means God looked at. So, in, in Apostle Paul's interpretation, and that's the interpretation many believers are having, this is the enemy buffeting me. It's not allowing me to go to the next level of revelation. I'm not assessing the next level. So I need, but in the presence of the Lord, the Lord was looking at Paul. The Lord said, Paul. But for this buffeting, my grace will not be sufficient. So what this has done is that it has made my grace, not your grace, Paul, my grace to be sufficient for you. That means this buffeting just made you to attain another great status that is called sufficient grace. My grace is sufficient for you. Take away this buffeting. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And look at what on our land. That was the day it, that prayer point changed. From that day, Paul did not say, take it away again. What did he not start doing? Therefore, number one, he was not glad. The day you realize the enemy is a true, some of the things that are making you sad, you will be glad. Because look at Paul now, the one that was begging, removing, and I say, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in the fact that I have not paid my rent. That means what is breaking my heart is now my boasting point. So I will boast that no guy has proposed to me. I will boast that I'm not married. Because marriage cannot be an issue again. Because the enemy is a tool. Oh, there's, there, there's a sister here that is receiving that. Because he now says, I will boast. Why? And I will rather boast gladly 
That means demystify the messenger of Satan. Confuse the messenger of Satan. What is supposed to break your heart, be glad about it. Boast about it so that what? The power of Christ can rest on you. Paul now said, it's not that the power of Christ is lacking. But my attitude is drawing it away. Because I'm begging. I'm saying take it away. Meanwhile, the power is available. It's looking for a resting place. But once I change my attitude, the power rests. And you might get you realize that the month the power rests, ten different guys will start asking you out. And you're like, where were they before? They were running away before because you were begging God to bring husband. But the Lord is saying, change your attitude. And consider all that is happening as a tool, as a facilitator of grace that is sufficient. And you just realize that here you are. You mocker the happening sister. Dami will be wondering, what is PD? And you must get PD and Rosemary. If you are used to my ministry, that's how I am. Because the message is for them. There's always these two people in the teaching. That is always for them. So the rest of us are just beneficiaries. And today is Rosemary Day. Ah, Jumoke, you guys are blessed. Rosemary. Ah. Oh, John Lalo, John O, TJ Sue. <laughs> it's your day. Praise God. My grace is sufficient for you. Pastor Ayo, you imagine. Pastor Raymond, that's the answer. MOJ, did you ever see Jesus say, Messenger of Satan? Don't disturb Paul again. He doesn't do that. But he said, Paul, let me tell you what this messenger is producing that you are not aware of. Let's highlight it. He said, what you don't know is that you have exceeded the measure. Because before now, the grace was not sufficient. But with this buffeting, the grace is now sufficient. This is sufficient for you. And Paul said, Paul did not end there. He now said something again. He said, therefore, ah, what was bothering before? I take pleasure now. In what? In infirmities. In what? Come on, let's read together. One to go. Therefore. No, 12.10. 12.10 now is 10 that is on my screen. What's happening? Something is here, something different is here. Want to go, therefore. In what? In what? In what? In what? Why? Why? For when I am weak, then I am strong. That was the day the messenger of Satan packed his back. He said, This one. <laughs> Or more, he just called that quarter. I said, Project failed. 
when I am weak, then I am strong. And the messenger of Satan said, what kind of intelligence is this? This is strange. Because we want this guy to say, when I'm weak, I'm weak. But he said, when I'm weak, that means he has tapped into grace that is sufficient. That means you cannot get that grace to come from the negative to the positive. It can only be from faith to faith, from glory to glory, and from victory to victory. There is nothing in the kingdom called defeat to victory. That means God is saying, now strength, now salvation, now the kingdom of God, and now the power of his Christ. And the messenger of Satan said, we cannot handle this guy again. It's game over. One more story. The truth called the enemy. First Corinthians 5.4 This is interesting. Verse number 3. Pastor Damien, Pastor Timmy, look at this. Somebody slept with his father's wife. M-O-J. F-O-J. Are we saying it is good for somebody to sleep with his father's wife? No, it's, it's bad. Because you will attract some things. But I'm amazed that somebody slept with his father's wife. And yet Satan could not still assess him. So Paul now said, why are you guys rejoicing? Some things should not happen. Pastor Dami, to hand over a believer to Satan, look at what he took. Paul said, for indeed as absent in the body. I want to be sure it's the same scripture. <laughs> but present in the spirit, I've already judged as though I was present. Him who has done this deed. Next verse. If Satan was powerful, why this ceremony? What is the operation? Paul says, operation, we want to hand over brother Nicodemus to Satan. Number one, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, you have to gather together. You can't do it in your house. Number three, my spirit must be present. Number four, the power of Christ. And you are like Apostle Paul. This four-high-level spiritual capital, kill of every day, next verse. Deliver such a one to Satan. Ah. Even Satan is running. He <laughs> said, because you want to deliver someone to me, <laughs> look at it again. <laughs> Go back. Oh, let's enjoy the word of God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not enough. When you are gathered together, so you can't be eating pizza and be watching Netflix. I want to carry out this operation. Pastor Timmy must summon a gathering. Then Paul said, even in that gathering, my spirit must be present. And to wrap it all, we must summon the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. To do what? To hand over, to deliver such a one to Satan. And you think Satan is powerful. Look at what it takes 
to, to, to plug a believer from fellowship and to say, we hand you over to Satan. He took four levels of spiritual capital. Spiritual enrichment. I level. And Paul said for one purpose, to deliver him to Satan. Pastor Dejan. PDA. PDK. Pastor Timmy. Pastor Dami. Paul must be the most wicked person on that. Because why will Apostle Paul hand over somebody to Satan? If Satan is a threat, if it's not a truth. Why do we need to hand over this brother to Satan? Look at what Paul said. The only way this brother will be saved is to hand him over to Satan. So on the judgment day, the brother sees himself in heaven. Who will he thank for making heaven? (laughs) (laughs) It took somebody of Apostle Paul's understanding, having had that first encounter to understand this. That the enemy is actually a blessing. It's a tool. Because you want a brother to start sleeping with his father's wife. So they tried, they cancelled him. The guy still went to sleep with his father's wife. Okay. Paul said, This is bad now. There are consequences. It's even in African tradition, you might, you might try demon. The guy still went next week again to sleep. Like a lot of sisters and brothers in church. As you don't matter how good you are as a pastor, cancel them again for negation. They'll still go and commit it. But if you want to help them, <laughs> give me verse number four. Let's help them. <laughs> In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are already gathered together. Condition two fulfilled. My spirit is here. That's why I'm here, physically in nature. And the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. For every fornicating brother and sister, stand up. <laughs> Let's preserve your spirit. What are we going to use? We are not handing you over to Jesus. We are handing you over to Satan. Because if with Jesus, you are still committing fornication, right? <laughs> with Jesus, some of you tomorrow, you still you have planned it, even though you are here. You have planned what you want to do tomorrow with Jesus. Paul said, Our overarching objective is so that his spirit is saved. <laughs> Pastor Dan, Pastor Timmy, Pastor Timmy, you have to help me to explain this in Rema language. <laughs> what kind of apostle is this that is delivering people to Satan? I told the whole essence of Christianity is to deliver people from Satan. And the apostle is saying the reason why we are doing this high level spiritual oppression so that his spirit may be, is to destroy his flesh so that his spirit may be saved. So we are handing him over to Satan because Satan will help us to preserve his spirit. The apostle Paul knows how to use Satan. This is not in your Bible. <laughs> it's not in your Bible. <laughs> so Apostle Paul knows the use, the usefulness of Satan, the spiritual and the social economic importance of Satan. And he said, that sister that is committing fornication, 
with Jesus. Imagine all in the church world, world over, even over this weekend, how many sisters Saturday night, Friday night committed fornication and they still sang in the choir this morning. Because they are with Jesus. Paul said, how do we help them? So that their spirit will be saved. So I thought, when it came to heaven, they'll be like, how did I make it there? They'll say, where is Satan? Thank you. <laughs> you made my spirit to be saved. You destroyed my body. So Paul said, let's hand him over so that his body will be destroyed. That could mean HIV. That could mean AIDS. It could mean anything. That that guy will become sick. He won't be able to commit that adultery again. Prophet will be coming home to pray for him. In the process, he will die. He will get to heaven and he will be thanking God for Satan. He said, because for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Enemy is a tool. So even you yourself, like Apostle Paul did, use him. It's no longer a threat. Paul had mastered spiritual thing to a level. That was like if we introduce somebody to Jesus and Jesus cannot help them, there's another functionary that can help them. Because at times we take grace for granted. And this happened to me literally when I was on campus. So there was a sister. Ah, that day, I remember Pastor Tawile Moshe came to fellowship with us that day in fellowship. And fellowship members were shivering. In fact, one fellowship member came to me after service, shivering like this. He said, Pastor if I've done anything wrong, let me know. Don't do what you did tonight. So that sister, they said he was always going to a BQ to go and sleep with someone. I sent two brothers as spies to go and verify. They verified. They were hiding in the bush. They saw her going to that BQ. And they were there. They saw her coming out around 7 a.m. They went the following weekend. She repeated again. Went to the home of this. So I called after fellowship. I said, um, you can't do this in this fellowship. You're a worker. I wondered. Monish said that. She continued. She continued. After waiting for like three months. We got the fellowship that day. I just called her out in front of everybody. And I said, as from today, you are no longer a member of this fellowship. I cut off fellowship from you. I don't want to see you in this fellowship again, and you cannot come to this fellowship again. Three years later, I met her. You know what she said? She said, but for that thing that happened that day, I won't be who I am today. What happened? We delivered her to Satan. We disfellowshipped her. She became ashamed because the thing news went around all over the campus. But because of that, she could not do those things again. Now she's a better Christian now. And she told me, said she's now using that story to teach young ladies now. The spirit was saved. So Rosemary and Jumoke. Don't try me. <laughs> you are now seeing the difficult side now. If, 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 I, if I perceive anything, that's how I'm going to call you out. And I'll say, Jumoke, come here. I said, you resisted temptation yesterday. God bless you. Go back and sit down. <laughs> 
is the enemy a threat? What is he? Do we need to go on and on? The truth. Look at the status. So that means let's let's tie it down. There are two things generally as we begin to pray and bring this to a close. There are two things generally. Every attack of the enemy must produce in the believer. Number one, faith that does not fail. Learning from Peter. I prayed for you that your faith should not fail. Number two, learning from Paul, grace that is sufficient. So that means the enemy is a tool God uses to establish us on the faith grace pathway. Pastor Timmy's wife, why are you sitting at the back? Oh, because of the baby. Okay. We honor you. Did you hear the testimony about your husband? The out of Zion people are crazy for your husband. <laughs> they just love your husband. As in, when, when somebody loves someone, and I, they didn't know I was listening to the conversation, and I'm like, wow. That shows that the wife is also doing a great job making the home front. Comfortable. We might not see you in front, but we salute you. For giving him the latitude to come and do what he's doing here. We appreciate you and God bless you. Even the husband is standing for the wife. Hallelujah. How many people want us to deliver them to Satan in this service? (laughs) So that on that day your spirit will be saved. see the other side of that where Paul now said we are not ignorant of the devices of the enemy this is where people now miss it 2 Corinthians 2.11 you can begin to read from verse number 1 because people say you know we like quoting scripture in isolation for we are not ignorant of his devices what does that really mean Corinthians 2. Let's get to verse number verse number 5. So after this guy was delivered to Satan, it was now time to bring this guy back. What does it mean to be ignorant of the advice of the enemy? After people have gone through a season of discipline, if you don't restore them, you are ignorant of his devices. If anyone has caused grief, he has not grieved me, but all of you to some extent, and not to be too severe. Move on. The punishment which was inflicted by the majority is sufficient. So even this apostle Paul saying, Satan, oh, Tito, sufficient. Why? So that on the contrary, you ought to rather forgive him and comfort him. 
lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. And that was what I did also. This sister in question, I had to reach out to her. Why is that a necessity? Move on. Therefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. Move on. For to this end, I also wrote that I might put you to test whether you are obedient in all things. Now, will you forgive anything? I also forgive. For if indeed I've forgiven anything, I've forgiven that one for your sake in the presence of Christ. Why? Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not. So we will use it, but we never allow him to take advantage of us. When we say Rosemary, step down from the choir because of what happened. Let's use that example. Behind the scene, we're also showing Rosemary love. The moment we don't balance that, we are ignorant of his devices. That means he has taken advantage of us. That means every time believers fight or there's trouble in the church, if the person is not restored or the person makes restoration difficult or the pastor eventually doesn't go ahead to restore the person, then you are ignorant of the vice of the enemy. Because the whole essence of asking people to step down, asking them to be punished or whatever, is not a forever thing. And while all that is going on, we must also show them love. So Rosemary stepped down from the choir, but tomorrow I said, Rosemary, I'm taking you to Subway. We are eating breakfast together. And we'll never talk about you. I said, how are you? So eat. Enjoy. Say, Rosemary, when are you going to Ibadan? I said, I'm going to Ibadan. I said, I'm the one taking you to Ibadan. And I'll drive her to Ibadan. Drive her back home. Bye-bye, Rosemary. But you are not still singing in the choir. Rosemary, what do you need in the house? You need a bag of rice. Get you the bag of rice. Because the fact that we are punishing you, or the fact that you have handed you over, doesn't mean we don't love you. For us not to love you in that situation. And that is why it does not matter how many men you are sleeping with or whatever you are committing. What you can never take away from us is the fact that we will continue to love you in spite of you. But the moment we team up with the enemy against you, then we are ignorant of his devices. So Paul said in 2 Corinthians that forgive him. He has suffered enough. It's not a forever thing. If this guy should be left at this level, so much sorrow will overcome him. And at the end of the day, we all lose out because we are all ignorant. And that is why as a believer, there is no fight. You must never finish. By the time people are begging you to come and reconcile with a fellow believer, then you are ignorant of the devices of the enemy. Because you must not be begged. It's a natural thing after two believers fight to also find a way to resolve it. And by the time one is reaching out to you and you are the one saying, no, I don't want to talk to you, then you are very ignorant. Because the one that is seeking reconciliation is actually the stronger. The weaker is always the one avoiding reconciliation. Because it's ignorant of the devices of the enemy. Because that's how the devices of the enemy thrive. It thrives in unforgiveness. 
That means after this service, there are some people, you yourself, you are the one that we have to reach out to them and say, bro, sis, we need to talk. Not because I'm weak, but because I'm strong. So I'm reaching out, giving an opportunity because I'm not ignorant of the device of the enemy. Malice, keeping malice is a device of the enemy. And you cannot be anointed and be keeping malice at the same time. It doesn't happen that way. So ladies and gentlemen, I present to us the enemy that is a tool. Use him. Don't let him use you. What's your name? They told me your name in the morning. You are the one that brought the first time out. What's your name again? Onome? Yes, I remember. Where's the brother? So he's not the one. Onome, <laughs> come. That's another person I met. What do you do? What do you do? Oh, you're a data analyst. Wow. Wow. See, Moses said that data analysis, I could see vapor. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. That's good. So that's what you do. God bless you. Please appreciate that. <laughs> I told Pastor Dami, you have all these very powerful people in PowerPoints, right? I will thank God for you. You go to Out of Zion, you see all these powerful people. You go to Lekki. The only place I've not been to is First Act. And I'm going to go to First Act to go and see all the powerful people. There too. Wonderful, wonderful people. The enemy, that is now a tool. So, as we leave this meeting tonight, let's desatanize. And if Satan is working at all, number one, knows that it's a destroyed work. That means our work is no longer a threat to your progress in life. As a matter of fact, the work is now a blessing. Find the faith in it and find the grace in it. That means if indeed you are a believer, whatever the enemy is doing should produce another level of faith. It should always produce another level of grace. And we begin to pray the Spirit. to seal please we'll soon be going please I don't want anybody to be in a hurry we still have one operation to seal everything we've had to seal everything we've received you are glorious so glorious in your ways you are glorious so glorious in your way you are glorious 
For you are glorious, so glorious in your way. You are powerful, for you are powerful, so powerful in your way. You are awesome, for you are awesome, so awesome in your way. You are glorious. You are glorious, so glorious in your way. You are wonderful, for you are wonderful, so wonderful in your way. Yahweh, Yahweh, Yahweh. Can they stop the recording? Because the next operation I want to do, I don't want it to be recorded. Once the recording has stopped, please let me know. Wow, what a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at Parpoint Tribe.